This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Not here. And Avraham Avinu turned to the Malachim and said, he thought they were Arabs. And he said, my wife Sarah does not belong out here. She is in the Ohel. If we look in Rashi and Pasik Tess, it says the following... Says Rashi, he. She was in the Ohel because she was a Tznua. El Elohidiya, Tznua Haisa, Kedei Lechavava Almala. That hurt by being a Tznua. She was very loved, she was very special to her husband. Something that a lot of people today do not understand. You think if they get dressed provocatively that that's going to make their husband love them more. In the beginning of time, Pashas Vayera, Rashi says clearly, Ravavina was proud to answer, my wife is Baohel, that a woman being dressed modestly, that's what makes her husband love her, not the opposite. The next Pasik says, Vayomer and the Malachim said, Shuv Oshivelecha Keis Chaya, Vihine Ben Lasarish Techa. You deserve that the Jewish nation should come from you. If you are proud, if the man is proud that his wife is at Snua, and his wife is at Snua, and she's Baohel, not a woman who goes out. Amongst men, snua doesn't only mean dressing. Snua means talking. Snua means mixing by a wedding and talking to other people's husbands. Snua means talk, going to work and talking to other men. Snua means going to college and talking to other men. It does not only mean dressing. Then you deserve to be a mother of Klai Yisrael. She fixed She fixed what Adam and Chava did She fixed what Cain did She was at Snu And she was Ba'ohel And right after that The Malachim said You will have a child next year at this time It is the women that are going to bring Mashiach and the way to bring Mashiach is by being at Snuah. And don't think for a second that makes you different. That makes you not wanted. Says Rashi. That a woman who is at Snuah is chemda for her husband. And a woman who is at Snuah is chemda. Takarish Baruchu. It's a very terrible story. That's brought down in the Kinnis. I didn't say it last night. I felt that maybe was too emotional. And the, and the story says the following. I think it's brought down in the Gemara. And the story says that there were a bunch of boys that were starving to death in the times of the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. And they sent out one boy to find something to eat. And he was looking for a dead body because there was nothing to eat. But he figured if he could find a dead body, he would bring back that body and they would eat it. 
And he looked and he looked and finally he came upon a dead body. So I think it's maybe a Medrash and Eicha. And he looked at the face of the dead body and he realized that it was his father. And he could not eat his father, so he buried him in the ground and put a marker there. And he came back to his friends. And he said to his friends, I looked and I looked and I looked. And I could not find anybody, I'm sorry. And one of his friends said, I'll go out and I'll look. And he came back three hours later. And they cut up the body. And they began to eat the body. And this boy who went out the first time who found his father turned to the boy who came back with the body and said, I looked and I looked and I looked and I could not find anybody. Where did you find this body? And he said, I found a fresh, a fresh grave with this and this marker upon it. So I dug up the body and that's what we're eating. Yemiyahu cried. And this story is a terrible story. He ate his own father. It's a story that we could hardly ever believe. So I want to ask you everybody, what is worse? A person eating his father's body after he's dead or a person eating out the heart of his parents while they're alive? Which one would Jimmy Yahoo cry more for? How many of us are eating the hearts of our parents while they're alive? We don't treat them right. We don't have derecheres for our parents. We don't listen to them. We aggravate them. We agitate them. How many of our parents sit at night and cry about us? What is worse? Eating our parents' souls and spirits or eating their bodies for sure, for sure eating their souls and their spirits how decadent we are the lack of derech to our parents how many of us, the Mugan of Ram Paskins that when a parent walks in we're supposed to stand up it's so unheard of today the parent thinks that when we walk in, they have to stand up. How many of us have learned Hilchis Kibbut Ovaim? How many of us don't speak to our parents? Is this story from the times of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash so bad? I think Yemiyahu would cry a lot more about what we're doing to our parents. The greatest lack of hakaras hatoiv, the greatest lack of appreciation, is the lack of derech to our parents and to our teachers. Says Hakadosh Baruch Hu, to a person who has no hakaras hatoiv, Ayeka, where are you? Ayeka, what is wrong with you? If you don't appreciate your parents, you cannot appreciate HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Tisha B'Av is a time to cry. 
Tishma was a time to think how are we going to change to make sure that there won't be a Tisha B'Av next year there's a famous story with the Mashkiach of Mir Yeshiva somebody, an older man that was learning in Mir Yeshiva caught a cold in the middle of January and he passed away four weeks after that from this cold and at the Levaya one of the Bachram asked the Mashkiach I'm sorry, the Mashkiach asked one of the Bachrim, how did this man die? And the Bachrim said he caught a cold in January and he died four weeks later. Mashkiach said, no, he didn't. He caught a cold on Rosh Hashanah during Musaf. If he would have davened the way he was supposed to, then he wouldn't have died this year. He didn't catch a cold in January. He caught a cold on Rosh Hashanah. Or maybe he caught a cold by Ne'ilah on Yom Kippur or his last chance. Said the Mashkiach of Mir Yeshiva. If we come to a Tisha B'Av and Mashiach wasn't here this year, it wasn't something that we did during the year. It's something that we didn't do on Tisha B'Av. For if Klai Yisrael cries, if Klai Yisrael changes, if Klai Yisrael treats their parents the way they're supposed to, if Klai Yisrael stops talking Russian Hara and Rechilus and Maiti Shemra, how many Shiduchim we've broken for friends because we were jealous of them? How many Averis do we do based on jealousy? If we make that change on Tisha B'Av, then next Tisha B'Av will be a Yantif. It's not about what happens during the year. What happens during the year is about Tisha B'Av. The Gemara says that Moshiach will be born on Tisha B'Av. The literal meaning means that the little boy that's going to be grow up to be Moshiach it's going to be born on Tisha B'Av. So people are always looking and listening. Is there, was there a boy born on Tisha B'Av? Maybe he's Mashiach. But I think the Gemara has a much deeper meaning. Mashiach will really be born on Tisha B'Av, like the Mashkiach of Mir said. The only way that Mashiach will come this year is through the tears that we cry on Tisha B'Av. So Mashiach is born through Tisha B'av, because of Tisha B'av. There's a famous Dugma Magid says a story that there was a border, I guess it was in Russia maybe, and nothing was allowed to be smuggled across the border, and the punishment for smuggling was death. There were a group of Jews who got very smart and in the, um, they came to the Russian governor and they said, we want to bury, there's a Jewish graveyard across the border and we don't have a graveyard on our side. So we, if a Jewish person dies, we'd like to be able to go to that graveyard and bury our dead. And the governor said, okay, I'll let you do that. But these Jews were smugglers. 
So what they did is they took a coffin and they filled it up with all types of gold and silver and things that they wanted to smuggle into Russia. And they came to the border and of course they let them through. And as they walked past the gate, they began to laugh and joke around. And this happened a couple of times. And the watchman of the gate came running to the governor and said, I think these Jews, I don't think there are bodies in those coffins. I think they're smuggling something. So the next time they came across the gate, they were arrested. And they opened up the coffins and the coffins were full of all types of smuggled things. And this was punishable by death. There were four of them. They brought them in front of the governor. And they began to cry to the governor. I have children and I have a wife and I have a family. Please pardon us. Please allow us to get away with it. We'll never do it again. And the governor said the punishment is death. And they got down on their knees and they cried. And they screamed. And they begged. And the governor said, I can't help you. So they turned to the governor and said, why did you pick on us? Why did you stop us? And he said, because the watchman was watching you. And I never saw a funeral that every single time you're carrying a body, the bunch of you were laughing and making jokes. And therefore we knew this wasn't really a funeral. And the governor turned to these four Jewish people and said, now it's too late to cry. You should have cried when you were carrying the coffin. Then we would have never stopped you. But now it's too late to cry. Now we caught you. There's a time to cry. On Tisha B'Av is the time to cry. Because if we cry on Tisha B'Av, those tears will go through the gates of Shari Dima. And our tillis will be answered. And we won't have to suffer all the suffering that Klai Yisrael is going through, all the terrible diseases, the terrible places that our children are going, the terrible situation of Shalom Bayis, the situation of Shiduchim, organizations that are open to help people have children. If we cry today on Tisha B'Av, We'll never have to cry again. But if we cry today on Tisha B'Av, Mashiach will be here. But if we don't, Hashem will say, you should have cried on Tisha B'Av. Now your crying is too late. It's a very, very big day today. A big day of Tzvilah. Tisha B'Av will become a Yantif, but only through our Tzvilahs and our crying. Some very, very sad stories in Kinnis. One of the saddest stories which we speak about every year is the Asir Ehruge Malchus, the ten Sadiqim that were killed. We said it today in our Kinnis. I'd like to learn it from inside. Where I'm learning it is from actually from the Yom Kippur Musaf prayer. For the one that said today is very short, I'd like to tell you the long version. When I remember these, my my heart pours out, my soul from within me. 
For the wicked people have swallowed us like a cake. Not even a fully baked cake, which means they swallowed us very, very, very fast. Because in the days of Caesar, but also there was no reprieve to the ten the ten martyrs that were killed by the king, the Roman government. This Caesar was learning Chumash for whatever reason. And he opened up to the Eilah HaMishpatim. And the Eilah HaMishpatim, it says, If you steal, if you kidnap a Jew and you sell him, and he's found in his hands, the person who kidnapped him and sold him has to die. His heart became swelled with malice and he commanded to fill up the palace with shoes why shoes so it's brought down that when the ten came out when the ten when the brothers sold Yosef they didn't know what to do with this money what do you do with money that you got from selling your brother you can't buy things for yourself so they went out and they bought shoes they felt that shoes is not is something that's very plain and unimportant. So the money that they got for selling Yosef Hatzadik, they bought shoes. So he went ahead and he filled up a room of shoes. We know that the Nazis in the Holocaust did the same thing. That there were rooms that were full of shoes. And many of the Chachamim say that the whole Holocaust, the whole Golas that we're in is all from the selling of the brothers of selling their brother Yosef. And we know what selling the brother Yosef was based on. The same Avera of Cain and Hevel, the same Avera of Adam and Chavo. It goes through all the generations, all the way to the Holocaust. The room of shoes. And he called the ten biggest tzaddikim. And he said, tell me, what's the law if a person sells his brother and he's caught? And they answered together, and that Ganav has to die. Turned the Caesar to the ten Asarugemachus and said, well, your forefathers sold Yosef and they didn't die. So you're going to have to pay for them because you are the ten greatest Sadiqim, and you represent the Shiftekar. And they, they didn't know if this was from Shemayim or this was from the Caesar, because if it was just from the Goyim, they had the power to destroy him and all of them in one word of saying Hashem's name. But they didn't know if this was a Gezerim and a Shemayim. So they asked the Caesar for three days. Zman Yamim. They asked for three days to find out if this is what Hashem wanted. And they took Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol, who we spoke about a few weeks ago, was a Gilgal of Yosef HaTzadik. Who better to find out if this was Menashemayim? And they all turned to Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol, who the Gemara says was so beautiful 
that if you wanted to understand what the Shekhinah looked like, you would look at his face. That was how great his beauty was. Of course, he was a Gilgal of Yosef HaTzadik, who we know was also extremely beautiful. He lifted up his eyes, and he said Hashem's name. And he went up to Shemayim. Tira, Rabbi Shmuel He went to the mikvah. He made himself tar. And he came up to Shemayim. And he met the man who wears white. And the man who wears white is the Malach Gavriel. And he asked Malach Gavriel, Is this Xavier from Hashem? Or is this Xavier from the Romans? And he answered him, Accept it upon yourself. Sadiqim vididim, my beloved and righteous ones. Kishamati macharei pardo said the Malach Gavriel, for I have heard behind the curtain before Hashem. Kibizayis atem nukadim, that this is going to be your end. Yarad vehigud lechaveirav. He went down and told this to his chaveirim, the words of Hashem. And he said to them that we have to accept this. This is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I want to tell you the importance. There's an unbelievable medrash on this. The medrash says the importance of Taras HaMashpacha. The medrash says that when Rabbi Shmuel Gadol, who was so holy and so beautiful, came to Shemayim to ask this question, the Malachim didn't let him come back. And the Medrash says that Rabbi Shmuel was laying in a bed, in a coma, so to say. His nefesh was in Shemayim. And all of them were standing around him waiting for the answer. And he wasn't coming back. The Medrash says, the Malachim said, we're not letting him come back to the world. We want him up here. And they didn't know what to do because they didn't have their answer. Rabbi Akiva said, take the scarf of an unclean woman and throw it on his bed. And the Medrash said they went and they took the scarf of an unclean Jewish woman and they threw it on his bed. And the minute it touched his bed, he opened his eyes. And the Medrash says that he said that he was in Shemayim and the Malachim would not let him go because he was so holy. But the minute that scarf touched the bed, the Malachim said, you're on the bed with such a scarf. We don't want you up here. And they threw his nefesh back to this world. How careful we have to be in Taras HaMeshbacha. We learn from this story. And he came back to this world. And he said to his other, to the other tzaddikim, It's Xerib bin Hashemayim. So they took out Rabbi Shemolko and Gadol and Rav Shimon ben Gamliel. Rav Shimon ben Gamliel, we learn in Mishnah, was the Nasi was the head of Klai Yisrael, the head of the high court of Klai Yisrael. And he said, Take off my head first. Here were men who live on Rabbi Shmuel, and Gadol said, I don't want to see the death of the Nasi, kill me first. And Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel said, No, Hergeni Tchila, Val Erev Misas Mesharaz Darmoin, kill me first. I don't want to see the death of the Kayin Gadol. So the wicked one, this Caesar, said, let's make a lottery. And the lottery fell on Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel, the Nasi. And they cut off his head. 
and his head was laying on the floor, this tzaddik, this nasi, <coughs> not by Rabbi Shmuel. Rabbi Shmuel, the Kohen Gadol, took up, picked up his head, and he wept over it with a bitter voice, Kashaifer, like the sound of a shaifer. And he screamed at the top of his lungs, Ei halashan, how could such a tongue, which was always in a rush to teach Torah, how could it be, that this tongue is now licking the dust? And when he let out this scream, he got the attention of the daughter of this Caesar. And she stood in front of Rabbi Shmuel, who was so beautiful. And seeing his beauty, she coveted him, as we learned a few weeks ago, that she was the Gilgal of Eshes Potifa. And she asked her father, Please spear this beautiful man. No, it's Bliyal but Caesar, this Roman emperor, said, Absolutely not. But I have an idea for you, my dear daughter. Let's tear off the skin of his face. And we'll take that skin and we'll stuff it. And you could have this face in your room forever. And to this she agreed. Ay, 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 so many, so many Jews assimilating with Goyim. And they talk like her. You're so beautiful. I love you. So many Jewish men fall. And we see from this story that the same non-Jewish woman who wanted to have him alive, the minute her father said, we'll peel the skin off his face, she agreed. As much as we want to assimilate, Ace of Sinai's Israel, they hate us from their core. Don't be fooled. Look at this story. She wants him alive, and then her father says, no, we'll peel off his face, and she says, good, that's a good idea. And then Gemara brings down that she stuffed it. And she had that face to look at. As we spoke about the whole thing with Yosef and Eishas Potifa. And while they were tearing off the skin of his face, they reached his forehead, they reached to the place of his tefillin. Tzarach b'kolmar, he let out a bitter cry. To the one who created him. He never complained when they were peeling off the skin of his face. But when they reached the place of his holy tefillin, and he realized he could never wear tefillin again, that's when he cried to Hashem. How many children in Klai Yisrael today are not wearing tefillin? Their neshamas must be screaming to Hashem. When the Malachim heard this, Safri Malatzarku Bimara, the Malachim in Shemayim began to scream, Zu Taira, Zu God, is this Taira? 
Is this how you reward Tyra? That you allow this terrible death to happen to your Kayin God? No. God Almighty, Creator of Light. Behold, the enemy makes fun of us. Shimcha God of makes fun of your awesome name. And he ridicules us and he scorns us. That we keep the Torah. Very famous saying, On Sabbath Kol Meshamayim, Hashem answered from Shamayim, Im Eshma Kol If I hear one more sound from you, Malachim, Epoch HaSa'ilam Lamayim, I will turn the world into water, L'sayu Ravayu, into emptiness and desolation, Gizeirahi Milafanai, For it is my decree, Kablu Mishashe Dasimayim accepted all those who love the Torah. For the Torah preceded creation by 2,000 years. Vaitzias Rabbi Akiva, everybody knows Rabbi Akiva. And then they took out Rabbi Akiva. Dairish Kisrei Aisiyais, Rabbi Akiva was the one who was able to translate the crowns of the letters. And they combed, they lacerated his skin with hot iron combs. Says the Gemara, they actually took rakes, hot rakes, and they raked him to death, a terrible, terrible death. This is Rabbi Akiva, this is the Rabbi Akiva. Who we know went away so many years to learn, who had a spe- special, special wife. This is the Rebbe Akiva who had all the Talmidim. This is the Rebbe Akiva who was about Tshuva. And he died such a terrible death. And the Gemara says that as they were waking him to death, he was smiling. He was smiling to himself. And his Talmidim who were standing underneath him asked him, Rebbe, Rebbe, how could you be smiling at such a time? Rebbe Akiva turned to his Talmidim and said, All my life, I didn't understand what it meant. My whole heart I gave to Hashem. All my money I gave to Hashem. And I was scared I would leave this world and I wouldn't be able to keep Ubachol Nafshacha. That I gave Hashem my whole soul. Baruch Hashem, I'm dying, Bikidish Hashem. How could I be upset? And the Gemara says, he said, Shema Yisrael Hashem Alokeinu. And he died with the word Echad. Sivalites, Yerav Hananya bin Trajan. They took out Rav Hanadim and Chajayim from me based Ulamay from Yeshiva. Ubechavilei Zemarais. Sarfu Gamlai. And they burnt him at the stake with wood underneath him. But they wanted him to suffer these terrible, terrible Goyim. Usfugim Shot Semer. They took Samaliba. They took cotton. They took wool that was soaked in cold water. And they put it on his chest. So that he wouldn't die from a heart attack, but he would die slowly and suffer. Ba'akev, to prolong his agony. 
and it's not brought down here, but it's brought down, I think, in the Gemara, that the executioner that was standing next to him could not watch this rabbi suffer. And he said, what would you do if I take the, the wool off your heart and I let you die right away? And he said, I'll take you to Olam Haba with me. And it says that this guy, this executioner, took off the wool from his heart, from Rav and tried his heart, and he died. And a Baskal came out and said, Rav Hanani ben Trajan and his executioner are in Olam Haba. Imagine everybody in this room that an executioner who lit the fire to kill this great Sadiq, all he did was take the wool off his heart to let him die, not to let him live, but to let him die a little bit easier. And a Baskal came out and said, Rav Trajan and the executioner are in Olam Haba. Imagine if any of us would help another Jew live. Not help another Jew die, but help another Jew live. Just one more moment. Imagine our place in Olam Haba if this executioner got such a place. Imagine what we would get. And not just for a moment, but imagine if we take a Jew who doesn't even know they're a Jew or they're not close to Hashem. And that neshama, we bring it back to life. We bring that neshama and all that neshama's children back to life. Imagine the reward in the next world. For nothing, their blood was spilled. And then they killed Rav Chutzpah Samaturgamon. And then they killed Rav Yulav ben Shamua. And Rav Chanina ben Chachniyai. I'm not sure which one, but it's brought down that one of them was left in the street to be eaten by dogs. I think it was Rav Chutzpah Samaturgamon. And these ten Sadiqim took the hit for all of Klai Yisrael. And Rabbi Yehuda ben Dama. They turned to Hashem and they said, Didn't you say Beis Yaakov will be fire and Beis Yosef will be a flame and the Goyim will be kash, will be hay, straw? And over here, it looks like the straw ended up burning the fire. And the last to be killed was Rabbi Yehuda ben Bava. It's brought down in Kabbalah that until we bring Mashiach in every generation, Hashem takes Asareh Ruge Machos for the selling of Yosef HaTzadik. In every generation, ten very holy souls are taken from amongst us. Many and many terrible ways. We didn't pull it off last year in Tisha Girls. We all know what happened in Eretz Yisrael not that long ago. Where the Arabs went into a yeshiva they went into the place of learning, as it says in the Sarei Uge Malchus, 
they pulled him out of yeshiva, they went into yeshiva, not into the gym, not into the dining room, but they went into yeshiva and the library where all the svarim were, and they went and they shot yeshiva boys and killed them in cold blood. If we would have cried last yeshiva, we wouldn't have had to cry for those boys. Hanan Yubin Trajan, it says, when they burnt him, he was holding the Torah scroll. They wrapped him in a Torah scroll. And he said that, I see the Torah is burning, but the letters are not on the scroll, they're in the air. If we would have cried like Tishabah, those boys would still be alive. It's too late to cry by their Leviathan. We need to cry now. We need to cry today. We need to cry to Hashem. That's the story of the Sarah Rugei Malchus. There are many stories in the Kinnis. We don't have time really to go through a lot of them. But there are some very, very important ones. So I'm going to go through a few of them. There was one kinna that was written by Yemiyahu himself. And he wrote it on a, about a king named Yoshiyahu. Yoshiyahu was a very, very big tzaddik. He was actually about tshuva. He was the grandson of a very terrible king. He was the grandson of the king Menashe. And we know that Menashe, what he did is he turned around the whole Klai Yisrael and put Avoy Tazar in everybody's house. And he put Avoy Tazar in the base Hamikdash. Menashe's son's name was Amon. And he corrupted the Jews for two years until he was assassinated. And he had a son whose name was Yoshiyahu, who was a little boy of eight years old. When he became king, he was king for 31 years. And even though his father and his grandfather put away the Zohar in every single house, Yoshiyahu, the story goes, that in the 18th year of his reign, so I guess he was 26 years old, the Kohen Gadol, who was the grand, who was the father of Yemiyahu, began to fix up the base Hamigdash. And while he was fixing the base Hamigdash, he found the Sefer Torah. And it says there was not a Sefer Torah amongst the Jews since the wicked king Ahaz, the father of, Chiz- of Chizkiyahu and the grandfather of Menashe. When they opened up the Chumash, the, the Torah, it opened up to the Teichacha in Devarim. To the Pasuk, some curse will be the one who does not uphold the Torah. And this young boy, who is now 26 years old, Shayohu, was the first time in his life that he ever saw a Torah. And he began to learn it, and he began to change the whole Klai Yisrael. As the Kinnah says, never was there a person who made so many Bali Tshuva, and never will there be a person who can make so many Bali Tshuva. And the whole generation changed, at least that's what Yeshayahu thought. And the Torah says that when the Jews are good, nobody can, no Goyim can pass through Eretz Yisrael. 
And in that year of his reign, the Mitzrayim, the Mitzrayim, the Egyptian army, wanted to pass through Israel for a shortcut to go to war with someone else. And Yeshayahu said, no. Yeshayahu said, Klai Yisrael did tshuva. And the Torah says that when we're good, we don't have to let the Goyim go through our land. And Yeshayahu said, you're being mistaken. You think they're good. In front of you, they're good. But in the back of their doors, there's an Avoy Dezaron. And the Gemara says that it was a half and a half. And when the door closed, it became a hole. And they had kept the secret, and Yeshayahu didn't know. And he was down the chafzchos that everybody did tshuva. So Yeshayahu said, no, Hashem says, you have to let the Egyptians through the land. But he did not listen. And the Egyptians came and attacked Israel. And the end of the kinah, it says the following. Some, one of the Egyptians shot an arrow into Yoshiyahu and as he fell off his horse and he was laying on the floor the Egyptians came and they shot 300 arrows into him this great tzaddik he became the target of their arrows and Yemiyahu ran to him and bent down to the dying Yoshiyahu to hear his final words the last breath was coming out of his mouth and the last words of Yeshayahu said Sadiku Hashem Kimorisi Pihu God is righteous for I have disobeyed him and Yemiyahu says every year I cry for this for he was such a Tzadik and we learn from this no matter what you think and no matter what you see you must listen to Das Torah and even though he thought that Klai Yisrael did tshuva Yirmiyahu told him no and he should have listened to Das Torah he should have listened to Yirmiyahu but he didn't and he died a terrible death but Yirmiyahu says for this I cry every year we spoke about Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol is a very, very sad kinah about Rabbi Shmuel Kohen Gadol's children. Try to find it inside. Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel had a son and a daughter, and of course, they were very, very beautiful. It's kinah number twenty-three. The story is as follows. The Romans captured these two, not knowing that they were brother and sister. When they were captured, they fell to two different masters who were neighbors dwelling across from another. And they were talking to each other, and one said, You know, from the captivity of Israel, I have captured a maidservant. She dressed in red wool. Her features are as beautiful and bright as the moon. And her neighbor said, you think you have someone beautiful? I have captured a man, servant, a young boy, with eyes so beautiful as the sun. 
come, let us pair them and divide them between us. Let's put them together and the children that we'll have from them will split. So these two Rishayim, these two Romans, approved their plan. And they paired the brother and sister together in a dark room, figuring these are captives. For sure they'll do an Avera and, and she'll become pregnant and we'll have that child and more children to divide. And the masters, these guys who don't understand Jewish children, they waited outside, their hearts as one to see what happens. And inside this dark room, this beautiful young boy and this beautiful young girl were there together alone. And each one went into their corner and cor- You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.